Welcome to the Birmingham Medical News Podcast. We are hosted by Kasuf and Company. We're doing it in their studios. Kasuf is a, an accounting firm, a CPA firm that's been in business for over 100 years. They've got a big, big healthcare practice along with a number of other practices. And today we're talking with Dr. Austin Hunt. He is the um, owner of Alabama Vein and Restoration Med Spa. And uh, before we get started, we want to mention that our sponsor today is Jobst. And uh, Dr. Hunt actually uses Jobst. They make compression therapy solutions. And I, I'd just like to ask you, Dr. Hunt, a little bit about how, how what you how you use Jobst with your patients. Yes, sir. Uh, compression devices can be used for either the extremities or the uh, arms. So like post-mesthesectomy, if you have uh, lymphedema post-breast uh, resection, you can wear compression to help keep the swelling out of your arms. For the legs, we use it for various reasons. I wear the compression hose uh, when I bicycle, but we also use them postoperatively after endovenous laser ablation, chemical uh, sclerotherapy. We use them to help uh, the patient recover post-procedure. You can also use them for long-distance trips. Uh, people don't realize when you're uh, flying or you're in a car for various uh, amounts of hours, you're at risk for developing DVTs or superficial thrombophobitis and wearing compression hose for long distance trips actually reduces the probability of developing uh, uh, these complications while uh, in a prolonged situation. All right, so uh, like I said, our, our guest is uh, Dr. Austin Hunt. And uh, Dr. Hunt, tell us a little bit about your background. Yes, sir. I was born in uh, Southern Indiana, right across from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I, when, at a young age, I decided I want to be a doctor, mainly because of uh, my father's dad passed away when he was eight years old of uh, rheumatic heart disease, Eric Valve. Mm -hmm. So I went to med school in Indianapolis, which is Indiana University Med School. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, you, you, after you graduate, you left for what's called a residency. And, I, and before you come up with a heart surgeon, you have to be a general surgeon for five years. And I came down and interviewed at Caraway, and I just I loved Caraway. The staff was wonderful. Uh, Dr. Laws and all the other attendings there were wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I selected that as my place to do my general surgical training. And after five, go ahead. Sorry, how'd you end up down here from Indiana though? To well, so what happens in residency, you look for spots to to, to train at. Okay. And, uh, okay. Somebody had mentioned that Caraway was a great program. Okay. And, and it really was a tremendous training. Uh -huh. uh, uh -huh. I had a great time. And uh, that's where I, I was exposed to Dr. Kingsley, who was a vascular surgeon at Caraway. Uh -huh. And Dr. Harvey, and they helped train me. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I completed my training in thoracic and cardiovascular surgery at the University of Kentucky. Okay. Uh. And yeah. <laughs> and so then uh, after that, I went out and spent a couple years in Colorado, and uh, I'm just a bluegrass type of guy. So uh. when you get out to Colorado, it's all desert, and I just couldn't handle that. So I came back yeah. and I trained residents for four years in mm -hmm. Memphis, mm -hmm. oh, wow. Tennessee. Okay. okay. And then, yeah. um, Dr. Kingsley and I ran into each other somewhere and he was talking to me and I was starting to already look at venous disease because actually in Colorado, it was amazing. Nobody, mm -hmm. it was like around 2004 uh -huh. and uh -huh. nobody at this time was doing vein surgery. Okay. Very few guys were doing it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And uh, so there was a guy in Colorado and he healed a venous wound. And that was uh -huh. when I was saying, what, you know, it, he healed uh -huh. a venous wound and that amazed me. So okay. Kingsley got me interested and then brought me here and trained me. I, I trained with him for six months uh -huh. and then um, I've been doing vein surgery since. Um, okay. Okay. We were going to talk to you today about uh, um, venous reflux disease or reflux disorder. Mm -hmm. So the first thing, question is simply, what is venous reflux disease? Uh, venous reflux disorder is a condition where uh, through dilation of the one-way valves in the saphenous vein, 
uh, blood reverses flow. So in other words, what happens is when we stand up, gravity wants to pull the blood from our head to our feet. When we lay completely flat, the venous pressure in our head and our feet is the same. But when we stand up, blood falls from our head to our feet. So to prevent the blood from flowing the wrong direction and, and staying in our legs, uh, we have 21, and, uh, 21 valves in the saphenous vein and roughly 13 to 16 in the small saphenous vein. And this is, prevents what we call regurgitation or reflux down the vein. So what happens with saphenous vein reflux disorder, either through dilation or damage to the one-way valves, blood now persistently flows backwards in the saphenous veins. In addition, you have arterial blood flow coming from the arteries into the venous system. So we have congestion in the leg. So what happens is we have excessive amounts of pressure within these veins and fluid. And then what happens is, most people don't realize this, the vein is only, it's a weak structure, not like the arteries, which can handle 120 to 180 millimeters of mercury of pressure. The vein can handle only around 8 to 12 millimeters of mercury. So what happens is the pressure gets so great that the water leaks out of the veins into the tissue, and that's what causes leg swelling. Mm -hmm. Also, red blood cells can leak out, and then they deposit iron in our skin. So if you've ever seen somebody's legs start turning brown, the techno term is hemosiderin deposits, and that actually will cause the discoloration of your skin. Uh, let me ask you this. How does, uh, how does venous reflux impact patients? Uh, well... That's a good question. And it comes down to several things. One is there's something called the natural history of a disease, which means if a physician doesn't intervene, mm. where does the disease end? And mm. venous disease has a wide spectrum. It can be some people never have symptoms. Some people develop mm. spider veins. But the end stage, the worst stage, is they get significant skin destruction. Uh, they get what's called a venous ulcer can form. Uh, people who have ulcers on the inside of their leg or the back of their leg, not on the foot, but when what we call the gator distribution from the ankle to the knee mm -hmm. is, uh, is the gator distribution, you can develop wounds that won't heal. And if you, when you treat the venous disease, they just dry up and go away. It's, it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. So what happens with it is through swelling, the skin stretches, and then, it, and then the arterial blood flow can't get to your skin, and your skin starts to die. And I, I don't know if you've ever seen a leg or if people, if they look, they look at your own legs, you'll start to notice your skin texture becomes from soft. It starts getting hard. And I've actually had patients' skin so hard that you can't uh, introduce a needle into their skin. It becomes like, almost like a piece of leather wrapped around wood. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that's the end-stage disease. So they bump your leg. You get a venous wound that won't heal. Mm -hmm. uh, and... And it's, it's awful. It's painful. And not like, see, diabetes affects the bottom of the foot. Diabetes affects small vessels. So you get ulcers on the bottom of your foot or on the tip of your toe. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people confuse venous ulcers with diabetic ulcers, and they're not the same. And so diabetic ulcers are harder to treat. Venous ulcers, you do endovenous laser ablation or some form of ablation of the saphenous vein, mm -hmm. and the wound will heal. You, you mentioned uh, that um, in some cases there's, there's no... Um, uh, you, you, you don't see it. There's no symptoms. Yeah, we all don't. How do you? Well, we're all different. That's the amazing thing about humans. We're all different. Right. And, and we have different. Part of it is, is how significant the disease is. And it's interesting, like what we do is you look with an ultrasound and okay. some people have massive skin destruction and their, their veins aren't very dilated. And other people have extremely dilated veins and they have very little. So it's how our body deals with it. And then the other factor that comes into mm -hmm. it is lymphatics. Okay. We have three vascular systems in our bodies, arteries, which bring oxygen, nutrients to our cells. Mm -hmm. And then we have the, the venous system, which basically takes the blood back to the uh, heart to be remanufactured along with everything, you know, be reoxygenated. Mm -hmm. Then we have lymphatics. 
and the lymphatics are the third system. So when we have swelling in our leg, arteries and veins can't reabsorb that water. So how does it get back to our heart? So what happens is the lymphatics absorb the water. There are little ch clear channels all in our legs, yeah. and they keep going. And basically, they connect to lymph nodes. So the lymphatic channels collect to lymph nodes, and we all you know, have a pretty good understanding mm -hmm. of lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. Then it enters into our belly, and it becomes the chile cisterna. Then empties into the chest cavity called the thoracic duct, and then eventually it empties into the left subclavian vein. So mm -hmm. if you don't have a lot of swelling, it may be that you have really good lymphatics. Mm -hmm. The problem is over a long period of time, the number one cause of lymphatic disease in our country is untreated venous disease. So if those yeah, lymphatics keep that, working yeah. and working, eventually they get damaged. Because that was my sorry, breaking. I was just yeah. that's my that was my kind of my my question or my thought is that if there's no symptoms, I'm guessing they're not going to see anybody. No, right? some people they don't even realize they have it. Or yeah. the other thing, the other thing is people don't realize what the symptoms are. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. um, I had one lady we treated her, and and she was like. She couldn't wait to get the other leg fixed. She assumed all her life that it was uh, uh, you know, arthritis that she'd been dealing okay. with. And okay. it was she had knee pain and leg pain. And okay. and so one thing is we can't always tell what pain comes from, uh -huh. uh, meaning it's like a little red indicator. Pain tells mm -hmm. us there's something mm -hmm. wrong, but it doesn't tell us what's the cause of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember we had one gentleman, uh, orthopedic surgeon, had referred him to me to treat his leg before they did a total knee replacement, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we re we uh, took care of the veins and took care of the uh, the giant varicose veins that were on his knee, mm -hmm. and his knee pain went away. So wow. even though he had no cartilage, you know, MRI showed there was no cartilage, mm -hmm. treating his venous reflux disorder actually alleviated his symptoms. So sometimes we don't know we have symptoms, and some people just have really good, you know. They, they, well, well, let me sorry. Speaking of that, what are the symptoms? Well, the most common symptom is swelling. Okay. Okay. Swelling. Uh, leg pain and, and leg pain it can be sort of uh, and again it's hard to determine it but people feel mm. like they have cramps their legs feel heavy at the end of the day so one of the mm. things is and I, this was amazing it was when early in my career I treated a lady with reflux disorder mm -hmm. and her swelling went away she lost 20 pounds of water out of each leg and I'm a kid it was amazing uh -huh. and the amazing thing too is then her legs were lighter and she could walk again, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, and I'm, I'm heart surgeons are like general Patton, you know, I don't want to hear excuses, get up and move. Yeah. And yeah. so I was thinking, you know, she was not being sincere. And actually I taught me a lesson because she could walk again. And a year later she lost a hundred pounds. Wow. So, but think about this, if I strap 20 pounds of water onto each of your legs at the end of the day, yeah, you're, you're tired, not... you're exhausted, they oh, hurt, yeah, they ache. Yeah. And so sure. what we notice is after the procedures, uh, people's legs feel lighter. They don't have leg mm -hmm. cramps. Mm -hmm. Now, there's multiple reasons for like leg cramps, but we, the majority of the time when we treat venous reflux disorder, their leg cramps go away, mm, and okay. and that's the thing. Now, not they don't go away all the time. There's other causes, but it's pretty mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. It will help people. And in some indications, there's another thing that um, I, I, I this is just my observation, mm -hmm. but there's something called uh, restless leg syndrome, and and I've oh, noticed yes, of there's, there's yeah. two types. There's a type that I call the real type, or you're mm -hmm. complete, like we'll sedate a patient, mm -hmm. and you've got to hang onto their leg because it's wiggling everywhere. Wow. Okay. And about a third of the time, that gets better. Mm -hmm. So people say, well, why didn't it work the other two thirds of the time? Well, sleep apnea and other reasons can cause okay. restless legs as well. The same thing. Then there's yeah. the other type that I think most of us that have venous reflux disease have, and that's where. Um, you're constantly moving because moving causes the calves to pump the the blood out of your legs. Okay. So it like jettisons it out. And so it alleviates your pain. And so the so, person is intentionally moving a lot? Yeah, but they don't recognize they're moving because just by moving alleviates yeah. the pain. So subconsciously yeah. they start moving more. Okay. <laughs> and I noticed, uh, you know, people move and they constantly move. And then when you fix their legs, it's like, I don't have to move anymore. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So that that's okay. another reason. Um, so what happens, like, 
what are the consequences if if uh, if it's untreated? Well, untreated, the number one thing is it can damage your lymphatics. Okay. You have persistent swelling. Two, like I was saying, the venous, the, the leg will swell to the point where the arterial blood flow mm-hmm. is compromised. Uh, in other words, if the pressure actually gets so great in the leg, mm-hmm. you know, every all flow goes through our body based on pressure. Okay. So if the pressure gets so great that the blood can't flow from the deep system or the you know the arteries to the superficial system, the skin, mm-hmm. you you don't have blood flow to the skin, so the skin dies. And the term for it, medical term for it, is called lipodermatosclerosis, okay. which just means hardening of the skin. And it, it almost looks like the leg will almost take on the shape of a champagne bottle. Like it's oh. you know I hear a lot of women say, "Why is my calf?" bigger than my ankle mm-hmm. you know yeah. it looks abnormal and it's not that your calf is bigger but all the skin has died so it withers away into this almost like a champagne bottle mm-hmm. so that's one of the consequences and another one that i, I learned was that varicose veins we, we think mm-hmm. of them as cosmetic yeah but untreated varicose veins now i can never predict if you're going to get a blood clot but once you get a blood clot in a varicose vein mm-hmm. it's been my experience 40 percent of the time there is the risk that it can propagate or grow into the deep system. Now you've got what's called, you go from superficial thrombophobitis to -hmm. deep vein thrombosis. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence, that that clot can then mobilize Mm -hmm. and can go to your lungs. And if it's big Mm -hmm. enough, it can obstruct the blood flow from the right to the left heart. It's called a pulmonary embolus and it it can be fatal. Okay. And that's, you know, as a patient, that's my my, my biggest fear of, you know, as a a patient in a hospital Mm -hmm. is a pulmonary embolus because they they can be fatal quickly. And and I'm sorry, you said that that was, that started with a varicose vein? Yeah. If you get a clot in a varicose vein, now I can't tell you if you're ever going to get a clot in a varicose vein, but once you get a clot in a varicose vein. Okay. 40% 40% of the time, the literature kind of varies. I've seen 20 to 60. Okay. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go with about 40, and I've mm-hmm. seen that. So what happens is the clot can grow. Okay. I, always t- okay. I try to explain it like a skydiver is when they jump out of the plane and they keep grabbing each other and they form this huge mass. Okay. And then it grows into the deep system. So mm-hmm. now you have what's called a deep vein thrombosis, mm-hmm. which is really serious because here's why. Uh, if you damage the deep system and mm-hmm. you damage the deep valves, you may always have persistent swelling. And there's something called post-phlebitic syndrome, mm-hmm. which is almost like lipodermatosclerosis. So, you know, mm-hmm. I say if you get a clot in a varicose vein, you need to see somebody quickly. And, and, and so I assume, and, and I don't know this, I, mm-hmm. I'm going to be probably a dumb question, but I assume if you get a clot in a varicose vein, you can see the clot? Yeah, you feel oh. it. And that's good. No, that's actually a good question because okay. a lot of people... They, they dismiss it. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'll go back. One thing is people always assume clot, mm-hmm. um, one of the signs of pain. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, we all do. We dismiss pain. We, we mm-hmm. kind of make in our own mind up what it is. Mm-hmm. But really, if you look only for pain, like with dorsiflexion of the foot where you move your foot, mm-hmm. you know, that only occurs about 33% of the time. So mm-hmm. you're going to miss it a lot. So with superficial thrombophlebitis, you can actually feel the varicose vein. It becomes hard. Okay. And the word is indurated. Then okay. it becomes erythematous, meaning red. And it can have focal heat in it, not your whole body to have a fever, right. but so it's the, locally hot. So the person is going to have an idea. They're going to yeah. know something's wrong. Yes. Yeah. And, and so then a lot of people, uh-huh. you know, there's a lot of people even in the meta, you know, and I, I didn't, and again, I'm a former heart surgeon. Right. And I didn't realize, you know, how much I did know about venous disease and start treating people. Uh-huh. And then you quickly start learning all this stuff. And one of the things is, you, you know, you dismiss a, a varicose vein as being just a trivial cosmetic thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you the number of people I've seen it propagate into the deep system. Uh-huh. So even with superficial thrombophobitis, okay. it's now my practice. We put you on blood thinners some form mm-hmm. of anticoagulant mm-hmm. for a period of at least three to six months to make sure that resolves so that you don't have this complication. Okay. Okay. Um, get, getting back on the, um, um, 
Well, I think you really just answered my question. So very, you, I was going to ask you. Oh, I guess there's a couple other things I should point out, too. Go ahead. All right, sure. One of the things is now people look at spider veins and we just kind of think, well, mm-hmm. you know, that's an end stage thing. And people think it's cosmetic. And the uh-huh. majority of the time it is cosmetic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But there are situations where it will spontaneously rupture and bleed on a person uh-huh. and they can lose a significant amount of blood. Okay. Um, and so that's one thing. Another thing you were talking about complications or adverse outcomes mm-hmm. uh, without treating your spider veins. Now, not all of them, but there'll be there, there are some of them you can just really tell they're going to bleed. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when you think about it this way, it's sort of like this glass right here. If this glass breaks, mm-hmm. what's keeping all the cold air? Nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it all goes out. So as a consequence, you can't there's no tissue around it to term tamponade it. Mm-hmm. So what happens is people can bleed and bleed and bleed. Oh, man. So the blood so, is just coming yeah, out. Yeah, and so we, we've seen it. And I, and I heard a lady one time, she said it was shooting across the room. And I was like, it's not arterial. Then I started thinking about it. Now, remember, I said the valves don't work. Mm-hmm. So as a consequence, you have a column of pressure, sort of like mm-hmm. a submarine at the surface. There's no pressure, and it dives. The pressure on the submarine keeps getting bigger. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you can imagine at the at the top of your groin, where the saphenous vein enters into the deep system, okay. there's not as much pressure. But you start going down to your ankle. Now you, even though it's a venous system, which only should be eight to twelve millimeters of mercury, uh-huh. now you have one hundred and twenty millimeters of mercury in your in your vein. Okay. So there's one hundred twenty millimeters of mercury on that, on those veins, and so really it can shoot across the room. Okay. And I had a, I, my very first patient I ever treated ever as a as a uh, vein specialist uh-huh. was a young man that couldn't they kicked him out of the pool because he bumped his leg and bled and bled. Oh, man. And uh, I was you know. And it's one of those things where I, I've heard through the grapevine somebody actually passed away from bumping one. And, and, so, and, and so, I'm sorry, so they but, were bumping a varicose vein? No, a spider what? vein. Oh, a spider totally, vein. I'm sorry. So, I'm I mean, sorry. I guess what a spider vein is, they're usually little purple or blue veins on our legs. Okay. And, and most people don't like them because it makes their leg looks bad. But what can happen is subset, the vein gets very elongated and torturous and uh, very, very uh, big. Okay. And you may only have like one. I mean, you can actually see through. Well, when I did heart surgery... The vena cava, which is the largest vein in the body, uh-huh. we used to run a special catheter through it, and you can actually mm-hmm. see through the venous system, and you can mm-hmm. actually read the name of the catheter because that's how thin it is. Okay. So if you can imagine, oh, wow. now you've got a, a spider vein on the skin that is very, very thin, uh-huh. and you bump it, and uh, so those things are. I'm sorry, just really, really fragile. I mean, if oh, all yeah. you got to do is bump it, yeah, it can, it can, yeah. And so that, and that, what happens is. Uh, the best thing is just to treat it with medicine uh-huh. and make it go away quickly. We inject uh-huh. a little chemical that okay. scars it down. So, But then if you get to a situation where somebody doesn't know how to do that, there's been consequences. Well, let me just, you mentioned, so you, you treat spider veins, you inject a chemical. Mm-hmm. What about when somebody comes to you, they've had a varicose, a varicose a blood clot in a varicose vein. Okay. What do you do with that? Well, it depends. If it's acute and fresh, what we may mm-hmm. do at the mm-hmm. time of, a, of an operation is do what we call, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we drain it, we excise the vein and take the clot out. Okay. If it's been there for a while, or you know, there's various reasons, what I'll do is I'll put them on blood thinner uh-huh. and let the clot resolve. Okay. And the blood thinner doesn't dissolve the clot, but your body does. But what it does is it prevents the clot from getting bigger. Yeah, so we have, we have a fibrinolytic system will actually degrade the clot. Uh-huh. So like, you know, I, I guess the classic one, if people are wondering, like, you ever heard of a transient ischemic attack where you have a stroke, but it's not complete and it goes away quickly? Okay. That's because the fibrinolytic system in our brain kicked in and dissolved the clot. Uh-huh. And allowed us to get reperfusion to the brain. Okay. So what we do is we just we use anticoagulant to prevent the clot from getting, getting bigger. And then your yeah, body dissolves bigger. the clot yeah. usually over to yeah. three. And it depends. If it's a small one, I may take them to the operating room more rapidly. But if there's a lot of clots, I let it dissolve and declare what they're going to do before we operate. Now, I think you said that 
in terms of going in to operate, that's if, if it's fairly fresh, I believe yeah. you said. And how long would that operation take? Well, it, uh, so I guess that we do it at the same time we do the operation. Okay. So for me, it takes about 45 minutes to an okay. hour and 15, okay. 20 minutes. Uh, and Is the patient um, completely sedated or is it just like, you know... Um, yes, we sedate area? patients. Okay. So yeah. we use, uh, it's the same stuff they use with colonoscopy. They call okay. it twilight oh, yeah, medication. Sure. Uh, my mentor used to say it's just like having a couple of margaritas. You know, you uh -huh. fall asleep, you wake up, and the operation's over. Uh -huh. In our office, uh -huh. and, you know, typically it's about two hours you're there from the time you check in to the time we leave. Okay. R.I.P. Jimmy Buffett yeah. with the margaritas. <laughs> yeah. so, the op so the but the operation itself, we don't make incisions. So like for the, uh, okay. for like what we do is we make a little stab incision. Okay. And we have okay. special little devices and we can extract the clot through nothing bigger than an 18 gauge puncture. So you get a, that's interesting. So, so you, you get a good you, cosmetic result as well. As, okay. So it's just a puncture. Yeah. So wow. everything that we do is, is through a puncture. Um, now, now what about, all right, all right. After, um, any of those procedures, mm -hmm. how long does somebody need to wait before they can start, you know, doing serious exercise? So well, the standard thing is, is what we do um, is we wait, make you wait two weeks after the, the final operation before mm -hmm. you can go back. So we typically will do a staged operation every two weeks. To, you know, we give you a break for about two weeks and we come back and so say, for example, we treat your right leg first. Okay. You got two weeks and then we come back and treat the left. Uh -huh. So post-operatively. No, I, I better, I'm sorry. Yeah. Now we're talking about a, an operation for, for venous reflux. Yes. Okay, let's yeah. make sure. Because I don't want people to think we're talking about the, um, the varicose vein. Varicose, yeah. No, it's so, part of an operation. So if I do it, I'm going to do everything at one time that okay. I can do. Sure. So that way it, you don't have to keep coming back to the office. So yeah. typically... What we do to treat the saphenous vein is called endovenous laser ablation. Okay. Some people, it is a thermal. So it's thermal ablation. So there's thermical and chemical ablation. Okay. okay. So some people inject chemicals. Some people use heat. I kind of use a combination depending on, mm. you know, it's like playing golf. You got to have more than a putter to win. You got to have everything. And so mm. I do all sorts of things. So say you come in and you have varicose veins and some okay. of them have got clots in them and some don't. Mm -hmm. um, and I will operate on people on anticoagulant as well, because mm -hmm. uh, I'll come back to that. But there are mm -hmm. certain groups of people who are genetically programmed to form clots. Okay. And my staff, we look for them all the time. So, mm -hmm. you know, so what we do is you go to the operating room, so we sedate you under sterile technique, just like, you know, like a real opera, a big operation. Mm -hmm. Sure. We do everything under sterile technique. I use an ultrasound. I cannulate the vein. We put the laser fiber in. And then we use a numbing medicine or solution called tumescence around the vein mm -hmm. so that you don't feel anything. And then we just cauterize the vein. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting was uh, it took 1,700 years ago, but uh, Marcus Aurelius was the last great Roman emperor. I remember. Yeah. And uh, he had a physician yeah. named Galen. And Galen postulated that if you could get a wire hard enough and insert inside the saphenous vein, you could treat venous disease. But it took technology, one being sterile, two, pain medicine, because nobody's going to let you yeah. put a 700-degree yeah. wire inside your leg. Yeah. And then the, the ultrasound has really changed. That we use, that's how we diagnose the disease. We use okay. an ultrasound. And okay. in addition to what I do, I can actually do ultrasound, so okay. we kind of look. So then we ablate the vein through heat. Okay. And then uh, the varicose veins, you can actually see them. They're like bulge. Those are the big veins. We mark them. You take a little blade or a little 18 thing, and we puncture them, and we have a device. It looks like a crochet hook. And you... Uh sounds graphic but we hook the vein and then you sort of pull it out like an earthworm out of the out of the leg okay, okay. and so that that vein is gone it will never come back oh my god so the laser is 99 percent effective okay so i mean when we ablate that saphenous vein that vein is gone 99 percent of the time I, I didn't realize that well, the you know, vein is actually gone yeah it's that. gone That's so and, and you know that brings up a question people always want to say well how does the blood get back to my heart mm -hmm. and that's that, that's something always and what you have to realize is 
The deep system, which normally does about 90% of the work, it drains the muscles, the tissues, mm-hmm. now has to do all the work. It's draining all the blood back to the heart. It's taking all the blood back because the saphenous vein is stealing it and taking it the wrong direction. It's almost like you really need mm-hmm. a picture. So if you can imagine, um, you're pushing, you know, the, the deep system taking the blood back. The shallow vein is stealing it and taking it back down. So it's like you having mm-hmm. to work harder. So when we ablate that vein, it just allows all the blood to get out of your leg. And really what the okay. procedure does, if you look at the end result, it decompresses the leg. Mm-hmm. So what we have is excessive pressure in the leg, secondary to the reflux disorder. Mm-hmm. When we get better, the bad vein, it decompresses your leg. Okay. And so the, so the phlebectomy is we just hook them and you take them out. Mm-hmm. And um, then we do chemical sclerotherapy. You know, there's various forms of doing sclerotherapy. Okay. And we just inject the spider veins and uh-huh. it takes maybe three or four rounds over a period of time to get the spider veins to go away just because that's okay. the limitations we have in this time, but the veins will go away. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. And then people are back to, so afterwards you wear compression hose for two weeks and then after the final operation, two weeks later, you're back to doing whatever you want to do. Okay. And I will say the day of the operation, I do what's called necessary activity. You can go to the bathroom, get somebody to move around the house. Mm-hmm. The next day, you can do whatever you want. So pretty quick. Yeah, so it's a quick, you know. Yeah. And so most people are back to work the next day. Oh, wow. That's, you yeah. know, and uh, and they're doing what they want to do. Now, now, um, will treatment for a, a, a venous reflux disorder promote healing of a venous ulcer? Yes, exactly. Okay. So what happens, again, is the skin is, um, and it's amazing, because what happens is, if you look at the skin, it's unhealthy. And okay. so it can't heal. And so as a consequence, it's because that venous congestion and pressure. So when you treat the saphenous vein, uh, it will start to heal it pretty quickly. And I've seen, uh, there was a gentleman who had been being treated for venous ulcers bilaterally for 10 years, Uh came to see me. We treated him, and they healed within a month. Oh, man. Okay. And so that's part of it. I also, Uh uh, so yes, it will heal that. And it actually Mm -hmm. also improves the integrity of the skin mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so what we've noticed is men will start actually growing hair back on their legs where they lose it so uh, when i was a resident we were always trained hair loss was arterial mm. and you know and so what we started noticing after you start treating saphenous veins mm-hmm. the hair comes back on the leg what that really represents is you know i'm an indiana boy you can't grow corn in a bad field okay. and hair mm-hmm. won't grow in, a, in an unhealthy environment and so the hair starts growing back which actually tells me that the 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 health of the skin is returning. I think one of the things we got to look at too is people don't realize there's conditions like a hypercoagulable state. And that's where people can spontaneously form clots. So one of the things we do at our office is we evaluate everybody and we look for a history. So mm-hmm. history of maternal or paternal or brother or sister who have blood clots, mm-hmm. history of pulmonary embolisms, history of miscarriages. The placenta is basically like a vascular space suit. So if the baby develops a clot in that placenta, you could have a... Um, the baby could die. You could have a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember in med school, um, there was a young lady. She had nine miscarriages, and she kept having strokes. And that was she had a, what's called a pro, uh, not a protein CNS deficiency, uh, um, lupus anticoagulant factor. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was reading over it, and that's you know, I, I figured that out. Mona, it was one of those shining moments as a med student, <laughs> but uh, far and few between. But the point being is, so we we evaluate people for that, and we come mm-hmm. across a lot of people that actually have a hypercoagulable state. And the beauty is not only do you protect the patient, but you can actually help identify family members and protect them as well because it so is hereditary. Genetic, okay. Yeah, so it's called thrombophilia, which, you know, we all know hemophilia. These people like to spontaneously bleed. Mm-hmm. So you have thrombophilia, and those are people who spontaneous clot. Okay. And so okay. We, we work up a fair number of them to okay. make sure these people are safe. Uh, we take that when we do the operation, before we the operate. People like that, that you just said they spontaneously clot, mm-hmm. um, 
So, so how do you know, like, so you have a patient who comes yeah. to you? So we'll do the history and we'll kind of look and talk to them and okay. then we'll refer them to a oncologist, hematologist who mm-hmm. does the blood work. Mm-hmm. And then we, we converse with them and make sure. And that's why sometimes we will operate on anticoagulants. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a lady come up from the Caribbean because, you know, she had a protein CNS deficiency mm-hmm. and uh, we operated on blood thinner and she did fine. Okay. Okay. And I, I guess another thing that I, I, that's, I think is significant is, you know, when I was a heart surgeon, mm-hmm. it was it was amazing because I, I thought I was curing people and you do to a point, mm-hmm. but you don't really prevent anything. And, you know, some of the some of the stuff we do as heart surgeon was was was, you know, tragic and sad. We're operating on people that are going to die. Mm-hmm. But with venous disease. Not only do I cure cure you, mm-hmm. but I prevent the progression of the disease. And going back to the natural history is what happens if a physician doesn't intervene. Mm-hmm. So by intervening, mm-hmm. we can actually prevent the skin damage. You can prevent people from getting ulcers. Mm-hmm. And you, okay. and you yeah. can prevent all that stuff. So that's the beauty. So if you find it early, uh, it will eliminate these uh, skin damage issues. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and by the way, does insurance pay for, for, for any of these three uh, venous reflux, varicose veins, or yeah. spider and or spider veins. So they'll pay for uh, the the chemical or mm-hmm. thermal ablation. Okay. And they'll pay for the the the, the sedation and they'll pay for the um, um, the microflebectomies. That's the term we use to remove the varicose veins. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to step back. There's something too. Just to, uh, yes, but they do. Now the other thing they want copays, mm-hmm. compression hose, uh, and spider mm-hmm. veins. They will not treat. Okay. I mean, they will not pay okay. for. But it does cover. Yes, it Venus, com- right? Yeah, it covers it covers that. So the really mm-hmm. only thing it doesn't cover is spider veins. Okay, okay. And I try to charge a fair you know a fair price, and uh-huh, so we you uh-huh. know we try to because we want people to do it mm-hmm. and try to protect them. So it, it covers it doesn't it cover that's about the only thing it doesn't really cover the cosmetic spider veins. I see, I see, and um, so 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 those are I guess the three that you spend the most time with. I assume is that right? Yes, Venus. Uh, Venus reflux, flux, uh, uh, spider veins, and uh, microflebectomies. That's the majority of the practice. Yes. Okay. And then uh, the other thing is we deal with we deal help with lymphatics. So that's okay. so what happens is uh, there is lymphatic disease as well. Okay. So some people will show up and they have uh, lymphatic disease and not the venous disease. Mm-hmm. So treating their veins isn't going to benefit them. Well, I, we still take care of them. Are these so, with it, Are these people who think they don't they don't they think it's venous reflux? Well, they're not sure. So okay. they come. Okay. So they come to us and we evaluate yeah. them and we kind of look it over okay. so there are there's a subset of people and you can actually have lymphatic disease and venous disease oh, okay. and so um but some people just have their veins are completely normal but they have leg swelling mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. lymphatic damage and there's various reasons to cause it mm-hmm. uh the most prominent again again is venous reflux disease in our country and then the mm-hmm. other is we see a fair amount of when a young lady has her first period her menarche mm-hmm. the an estrogen actually causes sclerosis of the lymphatics in some young ladies mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. will cause their legs to swell and you know okay. they had tiny legs before now their legs are very swollen and edematous so what we do is we get them into compression therapy where mm-hmm. they actually do manual compression and they massage their legs. Okay. And okay. they actually, and I was really amazed. Uh, the first time I saw somebody do it, I was impressed with how mm-hmm. dedicated these ladies and gentlemen are at squeezing. What they do is it really massages. Mm-hmm. They w- push the end to your abdomen okay. and they sort of force it and they, they bring it back up to the left subclavian vein, which empties into the, I mean, the yeah, to the left subclavian vein. Mm-hmm. And that's where it empties. Mm-hmm. Then what we can do is we can get them into compression host therapy. And then there's pneumatic compression that you do at night. So you get home from work mm-hmm. or whatever you're doing, you can put your legs in a device that the insurance will cover most of the time. And okay. you put your 
leg in this and through se sequential compression it squeezes the fluid back out of your leg and help decompresses it well one last thing i just i, I thought about is as we were talking how prevalent is is venous reflux i mean like, i think most people have it oh, I, really? I, I i think the majority of our society actually has it okay because so, i guess we're, we're so much so many many of us are sitting yeah for all that well year. but see sitting or standing it's the same thing it's immobilization yeah. yeah there was a study and so the only people that really uh the people who are less likely to have venous disease mm -hmm. are somebody that's always on the go mm -hmm. and so like whether you're sitting at a desk mm -hmm. or you're standing and doing something mm -hmm. You know, like a heart surgeon or a computer mm. specialist, you're, you're, st you're immobile. Right. Like, you know, when, when you operate, sometimes you're standing in the same spot for six, seven hours in a, in a case. Yeah, you mentioned before we went on that yeah. you had stood uh, for 37 straight hours in surgery. Yeah, when I was a resident, I couldn't do that again. But <laughs> when, when I was, yeah. So, but but really, when I came, actually, it was interesting because probably then I diagnosed myself and didn't even, I wasn't even aware that I had reflux myself at that oh, time. Oh, you did? Yeah, well, I didn't realize it. So what happened uh -huh. was I went, uh -huh. when I finally got to go home at the end of the second or third day, my legs were hurting and they were okay. they were heavy uh -huh. and uh we were sitting there and I, I think two in the top we had done a transplant on a young lady in my attending kept wiggling his feet oh man and okay. he probably had venous reflux looking back on it because he was you know moving his he legs was trying to he sort was, of without even thinking about it he was uh compress you know using the calf reflex to uh -huh. sort of pump uh -huh. it out okay. so i went home and put my legs up like i literally rested yeah. my legs up against the wall uh -huh, uh -huh. and it made him feel better and so I, you know we, so we all have reflux i think it's very prominent okay uh you know i think on any given day i i, I can't tell you the exact number but uh it's usually uh there's a significant number of us that have it i mean it, I, mm -hmm. i'm i'm surprised that every, everybody probably has it that's really. incredible i would have never guessed but it makes sense because in this day and time I know you said standing too, but so many of us are sitting. I mean, I'm pretty darn immobile all day. Yeah. You know? The other thing too is it doesn't cause it, but it, it sort of um, promotes it, I will say. Because mm -hmm. again, the two biggest things are genetic predilection to forming uh, clots or no, not clots. To forming venous venodilation. Okay. So what happens is our vein will double or triple in size. And these mm -hmm. one way valves, which originate on the inside of the wall and touch, mm -hmm. are now distracted backwards so they can't touch. So what happens is the blood flows up. And then closes like a drawbridge. Now you pull the drawbridge back so the it can't touch, and the blood just flows downward. So we have a genetic correction for venodilation. Mm -hmm. And then when we stand all day long, it just keeps putting pressure on all those veins, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and it, we rupture. And so that and gravity. So we can't change genetics or gravity. Right. Yeah. So we yeah. neither one of those we can change. And so mm -hmm. that's just what we have to deal with. Okay. But well, pregnancy, I was going to say. So when, sorry, women, what? so when women get pregnant. Oh yes. And so what happens mm -hmm. is typically, your first child you know, about 20% to 25% of women will get it. Mm -hmm. And then about the second child, it jumps up to 40. And then it gets about, after the third child, you're about 70%. Wow. And so what happens is um, they, they get the disease. And mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. think it's better to wait until you're, you're done having children. Mm -hmm. And that, that's actually not true. It's better to get, like, if you know you're going to have more children and you re recognize venous disease, mm -hmm. it's better to go ahead and get your legs fixed. Because number one, when a woman gets pregnant, about 60% of the weight she gains is pure water. So mm -hmm. now you've got more water in your body and it's putting pressure on those legs. Mm -hmm. Two, uh, if we take care of the varicose veins, uh, it reduces your risk of getting a clot in that varicose vein during pregnancy. Because then oh, if, if you're pregnant with a clot, they can't put you on oral anticoagulant. Okay. So then you have to get uh, injections in okay. your belly. So there's a lot of reasons to get your veins fixed before, you know, if you know you have venous disease before mm -hmm. you have another child. So what, bottom line, it, it's, it's, and I'm really surprised, it's really common, obviously, oh, yes. really common. 
Well, now, and, and, and what part of town? I know, obviously, I know your practice is in Birmingham, but what part of town? Yeah, uh, we used to be in Vestavia. Dr. Kingsley was my mentor who uh-huh. trained me to do it. And then we've moved to Hoover uh, near the Galleria. Okay. Well, in closing, um, any final thoughts on, on venous reflux or, or any of the other? No, uh, well, I, I think that, you know, if, if you suspect it, uh, you know, one of the things is you don't have to have a referral. You can just call the office. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, but, you know, so that's one thing. And I think, too, uh, the majority of people really do, ha- you know, th- there's a lot of people that have it yeah. and can benefit from it. And from all the, you know, I remember uh, in my time at Caraway, that's where I trained to did my general surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, I, I think, I uh, Caraway was one of the first to have a wound care center. And what I found mm-hmm. interesting was, when we first started doing it, it was diabetics, vascular mm-hmm. disease, and uh, the, the the majority of the, of the wounds were vascular disease. Mm-hmm. And the, the things that really always sh- the things are that shocked me was the people that did have venous disease. Their wounds are so painful mm-hmm. because with with diabetic disease you get neuropathies, and so you you don't feel the wound on your leg. I mean, somebody mm-hmm. can debride it and you won't feel it. Mm-hmm. With a venous disease, it's highly it's a highly sensitive wound. Okay, and so. Uh, then it's, it's interesting over the transition from that, we've seen more and more, now it's becoming almost venous wounds. And mostly. Yeah, it's mostly venous wounds. Mm-hmm. And so the benefit is by getting your leg treated, it'll really protect you from that. And uh, mm-hmm. I, to me, it's just, it's amazing. And I, I, I couldn't believe, you know, how I, I thought I knew a little about venous disease. And then after spending mm-hmm. my time with Kingsley and then practicing mm-hmm. all the years I have, I, I was really amazed at the significance of venous disease and how much of an impact it has on people. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Um, definitely want to thank you a lot for, oh, for your time and all the information. And I uh, want to thank Rush Dor- Russ Dorsey here with Kasu for uh, basically doing all the engineering and putting it all together for us. And uh, we'll just uh, look forward to seeing you again.